Hey, what's up? It's Chris Powell, and I've been opening up a lot about my mental health journey over the last few years. And one thing that actually was an eye-opening experience for me was when I was diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. Mm. And for me, it was like, oh my gosh, this is what's been going on in my mind. This is why I've been ruminating. This is why one thought leads to another thought leads to another thought. And before I know it, I'm catastrophizing about everything falling apart in my life. I'm going to guess that you had a therapist help you work that out and you didn't achieve that goal on your own. 100%. In fact, it was the work that I did with a therapist that helped transform my thought process and put me on the path to recovery. I think it's one of the reasons we're so excited that BetterHelp is one of our main sponsors of the Mm. I Needed That podcast. Uh, They're the largest therapy service. It's 100% online. And to get started, you just answer a couple of questions about your needs, your preferences in therapy, and then you can schedule sessions whenever it's convenient for you. And the cool thing about BetterHelp is, so you're not vibing with somebody right away, it's no big deal to just switch therapists. And you know what's really cool is that with BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality that you'd expect from in-office therapy, but you get a therapist who's custom-picked for you. So we're talking about more scheduling flexibility and at a more affordable price. All right, so what do you do next? Please go to our show notes and or go to BetterHelp.com dot com slash I needed that. That's better H E L P dot com slash I needed that. You'll also find this link in the show notes of today's episode. Do you want to start a healthy habit? Do you want to feel great for the rest of the day? And do you want to do all of that in less than three minutes? I'm on a mission to move 1 million people every single day with my nonprofit and app called Move 1 Million. It's fast, easy, fun, and you'll feel great for the rest of the day. Oh, and the best part? It's 100% free. You can find us at m1m.org or search M1M on the Google Play Store or on the App Store. And he looks right at me and he says, Matthew, you are a transitional character in your lineage. And that is why I do what I do. Hi there, my name is Matthew Blades, podcast host and motivational speaker. And I love keynoting and putting on workshops to help people understand the value of self-care. Because there are people in this room that feel broken, but you're not. There is nothing wrong with you. Just like there was nothing wrong with me. I just needed to step into my life's purpose more. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. Let's do this together. Head on over to learnfrompeoplewholivedit.com. Now, let's get to today's podcast. Everybody is uh, getting to watch this behind the scenes right now. We are streaming live on both of our Facebook pages. You can find us at are you Chris Powell Media or just Chris Powell? Just ChrisPowell.com. And uh, I'm at Matthew Blades Media, so we appreciate everybody being here. And we are getting ready to have and kick off this podcast today and have a really incredible conversation with a guy named Paul Churchill. Just a moment. He's got a podcast that more than 10 million people have downloaded uh, that is about alcohol and recovery from alcohol. It's called the Recovery Elevator Podcast. Yes, and he's been through an incredible journey himself, and it's really it's amazing to see how he's taken his struggles and, of course, overcoming those struggles. And now he's turned his life around and he's de- he's dedicated his life to helping other people through that journey. Incredible. So we've got that coming up. Plus, we're going to have a lot of fun today on this podcast as well. We're going to bring back your next move. We're going to talk about how many times would you get punched in the face if every time you got punched it was 100 bucks. Hang in there yes. for that. Uh, we're going to play Would You Rather. You're going to do a deep dive today on what? We're talking low-carb diets versus low-fat diets. 
I pulled a massive meta-analysis, and I actually have the official review Are you going to geek out on us? I am going to geek out just a little bit, but I'm going to give you guys some really interesting information that you want us to ground for. So um, Paul Churchill is a guy we're getting ready to bring in. And Paul, congratulations to you. Uh, the Recovery Elevator podcast just surpassed 10 million downloads. That must feel like an unbelievable number on some level. I appreciate it, guys. So was the podcast, is, it, is obviously having been through the journey you have with and your struggles with alcohol and um part of recovery is of course paying it forward it's serving others and and so i'm i'm just going to go out on a limb and and guess that that was that's what this podcast was really was was that what this was first all about for you yeah chris great question so it's almost a three-part approach number one was of pure desperation mm. <laughs> i reached a moment guys where i could not quit drinking uh tried a lot of stuff and I, it just it just wasn't working, which is a common story for a lot of people in, until it does work. So part of it was selfish. I needed accountability. I just couldn't do it. I could not figure it out or I wasn't ready, whatever. Um, and the second part was part like, wait a second, this is bullshit. There's so many people out there struggling with alcohol. It shouldn't be like my deepest, darkest secret when there's like 30 to 40 million Americans going through this worldwide. And the third part, yes. Chris, you're exactly right. I said, you know what? If I create this podcast and I burn the ships where I, I basically tell the world in MP3 format that, look, I need help. I can't do this. And if it helps some other people along the way, then bingo. But really at the start, Chris and Matthew, it was, it was kind of to dig myself out of my own foxhole. Sure. Um, and, and here we are 10 million downloads later. It, it worked. Uh, it was quite risky in the beginning to do this, especially in early sobriety, but that's where I was at, you know, addiction. I don't think an addiction is a malfunction in life in biology. This is called endowment theory is that everything happens for a reason. It's there. I don't think an addiction is something to fight, right? It's like, Oh, we got to fight this addiction. Let's fight the drinking problem. Well, I think addictions and drinking problems. That's what I'm versed in. There are signposts on the wall. There are signposts that that something is out of balance, that there's something, mm. there's a disconnection, right? And so when we go to fight the addiction, that's one way to go about it. But, but really we need to listen to what the addiction is trying to tell us and where are we disconnected? Where have we, where have we lost our path or our footing as a human being on this planet, in this universe? Um, and, and so I think an addiction, just the topic alone, which is also part of being human, whether some addictions are extreme, like to alcohol or to drugs or, or those things, but some are very, very tepid. Like I think if I think the majority of Americans, if we were to stop drinking caffeine, a lot of us would have a headache in about 12 hours. Right? I would. I would <laughs> too. I'd have a headache in about two hours. I would for love sure. Paul really quick. I would love to do something kind of powerful. Since we're streaming on Facebook right now for everybody to see, you know, we're, we're really about transparency on this podcast. You've talked about your addiction to pain pills. I've talked about my own addiction to uh, alcohol if you have experienced addiction in your own life, own it right now on our Facebook profile with a thumbs up emoji. If, if you've gone down the road of addiction and it's something that you've had to deal with or maybe you're currently dealing with it, um, be bold enough and courageous enough to throw that thumbs up emoji in our comment section because the, the reason that I'm asking everybody to do this is so that we can all see how many people are, are dealing with this on the daily. Uh, and I know that, you know, we'll see a lot of thumbs ups yeah. here because a lot of people deal with 
the addictions. And I love what you said there, Paul, about that, that idea that we're, you know, we're kind of chasing something. And I love this book by Deepak Chopra. He's, he'd written a book about addiction. Have you ever read it, Paul? I have not. I do know Deepak and he's done great work. Yeah. He, you know, he says there's something absolutely beautiful about addicts because they're all at the end of the day, looking for a feeling. They're all trying to, they're trying to see or find something. They're just looking in the wrong places, but Mm. they are at the end of the day, beautiful people who are seeking a feeling. How do you, how do you, how do you feel about that comment, Chris? I I agree with that. In fact, I, I have a very special place in my heart for folks who have been through the, the struggles with addiction, because um, for those who, who have actually come to grips with it and are courageous enough to admit, number one, that they have a problem, whether they're still going through that problem or whether they're somewhere on the other end of it, but they understand that that problem can always come back and can always exist, they're given the most beautiful gift of compassion and, and a much deeper understanding. Um, and I, and I, I hate to stereotype because... But, but I, I must say, the majority of the people that I've encountered in my life who've been through addiction, they, they come to a conversation with a much greater sense of awareness. And I'm going to go back to that, that word compassion. And so there's, there's a lot to connect there. Yeah. What do you think about that comment, Paul? Chris, I love what you just said right there. I think an addiction, no matter how far you go with it, it's, it's almost, hello, this is the school of the self-soul discovery. Mm-hmm. With that comes a tremendous amount of struggles. And with that is lessons. And, and just like you said, people who have successfully departed from an addiction, they are well equipped to face the world with a completely different view, right? And we are tasked, if you, if you go on addiction long enough, you get two choices. It's life or death, right? Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, you know, good news is all roads lead to home. One of them is much more painful than quitting drinking or sobering up. But with that, we are, we are forced to transcend the thinking mind. Maybe not transcend, but we are forced to pull up a chair and, and face the thoughts, the incessant string of thoughts that say we're not good enough, we're not worthy, or the ego. There's that famous, there's, there's a phrase that says you can be right or you can have peace. That sounds really good on paper, right? It's fun to read that in a book philosophically, but when your life is on the line, it says, look, you can be right or you can choose peace and right means death and peace means you recover, you're sober. That's, that's an opportunity. And that's, that's the correct word I'm using for extreme human development, right? Right. Despite the fact that society with stigma, there's a voice that's like, well, addicts, you know, they've messed up in life. And, um, which I don't really believe the stigma is even real. Um, but on the flip side, an, an addiction is like this intense school of recovering the person you were always meant to be. And I think it was you, Matthew, who said it being the child again. I think that's a topic you're going to cover later. The cool thing about a recovery is this, this is recovering the person that was always there, that inner kiddo. In fact, the screensaver on my phone is a photo of me uh, with a cricket on my hand when I'm six years old at Arches National Park. Like, that's the kid I'm doing this for. That's the kid I've lost. All right. So talk to us about um, the, the night that you decided you were done with alcohol. Uh, what was, what was, what led up to that moment 24 hours earlier? Okay. This is, if you don't know, we like to get into the deep end, Paul. For sure. (laughs) You know what? Like live in life in 2022 is full of surface level conversations. So this stuff is so refreshing guys. Like to see the thumbs up in the comments. I see somebody at 30 year Nate with 30 year sobriety. Oh, that's awesome. Go do you. We we're here for you. 
Um, shortly before my sobriety date, I found myself DJing a wedding. By the way, great skills, Matthew. <laughs> I used to DJ Listen, in Spain. <laughs> I, I used to DJ weddings for years, bro. I loved it. No it was way. So fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it was such a fun job. I probably DJed 300 weddings yeah, uh, me too. Or, around there. But um, really close to my sobriety day, I showed up drunk to the wedding. Um, and I had to get, I had, I had a DUI like a month before, and I drove with a broken taillight to the wedding. And the bride was walking down the aisle and there's three songs in the ceremony. It's the processional, it's the recessional and the wedding march. There's three songs. Right. And it's funny, you know, I, I, I pulled this off, but I remember covering one of my eyes cause I was so blurred looking at my clipboard. I'm like, Oh God, please be the right song. And I did it. I got it. Uh, but I remember during cocktail hour, the person was walking around with a tray full of wine glasses and I had like five or six glasses of wine after showing up drunk. And I just had this moment of clarity. I'm like, dude, you are going to ruin a wedding. And at the same time, you're going to ruin your life. Like not in the future, you are ruining, you're ruining your life. And it's a common story in sobriety. There's this moment of clarity that shows up. It's like, holy shit, like, this is it. This, this is a tipping point, right? right Luckily, yeah. I think the universe had my back. I had a DJ company and a DJ, another DJ of mine had just finished a nonprofit about five miles away. He came and finished the wedding. I left the wedding and uh, got my life figured out after that. So yeah, the next day wow. it was like, holy shit, something's different. Um, wow. my, my next drink was six days later. I, I, I dumped it out. I drank, I drank half of it. And I knew if I continued drinking, if I finished that beer, it was done. <laughs> it was done. Right. If you don't mind my asking, at what point did you seek help? Ooh, that's a great question. So I had previously been going to AA and AA is a great program. I still, mm -hmm. I still go to AA seeking help, right? I did not go to treatment, which I think was a big mistake for me. I think that pride for me, I have a major sports background and I think people with a sports background struggle extra hard and with addiction because there's this voice. It's like, dude, just hit the gym earlier. Just run faster, train harder. Well, with an addiction and like the self-discovery soul school where compassion, Chris, I heard you say that word earlier, mm. we're like, those are the teachings that, that that's tough. So I did not go to treatment, but I had been burning the ships. What I mean by that is I had been listening to this voice. That's like, dude, we need help. Like we can't do this alone. That's a big one. And so I remember before my sobriety date that summer, I told my parents, I told my, my brother, I told my, uh, my fantasy football league, my seven best friends. In fact, I was at Denver Broncos preseason football game in 2014 and I left the game and I texted my friends said, Hey guys, I know if I stay here, it's not going to, my plans of being sober, it's not going to happen. Right. I did go back to the hotel and had a Denzel, uh, Denzel Washington experience in flight. I drank all the beers in the hotel room by myself, but like, oh, Hey, wow. that's still progress, right? Okay. I'm still opening up. Um, right. and my sobriety date was, I think two and a half weeks later after that. So when you get honest in, in the realms of recovery, you hear this word, honesty, radical honesty, you first got to get honest with yourself. You, sometimes you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, shoot, Oh, this man, is not right. going as planned, right? Well, I got to tell you, Paul, right. you said something yeah. there that I think all of us addicts experience, which is that little inner voice that kind of starts talking to us a little bit, right? And it, and it usually starts to creep up on us, you know, maybe even a year before we decide that we're going to make the move. And just really quick, since we're live on Facebook today, I just want to welcome everybody who is joining our feed. We're on with Paul Churchill from the Recovery Elevator podcast today. And we're obviously having a, an interview about addiction. 
Uh, both of us have set down alcohol at some point in our lives, Paul. Chris's uh, addiction was a little bit more with pain pills. And so I, I kind of want to ask you the same question, Chris, was well, just what was the moment of clarity for you? Well, so for, for me, it was actually um, my roommate at the time, who, by the way, also MSA is probably one of the most incredibly kind and good people in the world. He was he was just as heavy into it, if not heavier into Oxycontin than, than I was. It went from Vicodin Percocet, Oxycontin. So he ended up um, getting his hands on something called Suboxin, which actually, it covers the receptors. And so it, it, if, if you do consume an opioid after Suboxin is in your system, it makes you like violently ill. So we both took it. Then we both took painkillers after that. We both got sick, like really, really sick. And for him, he, um, he'd been on so, such heavy opioids for so long his, his intestines had backed up. And so mm. they started to release and it, it actually ruptured a bunch of um, cysts that, that actually had formed around his colon. And so he started bleeding out. And so that, that was, and it was actually getting him to the hospital. Scary. That was the moment of clarity for me because I, I just knew that I, my, like the, the end result, no matter what, and I'm sure, Paul, this probably resonates with you though. You just said it. You've got two options. Like, you know, you can be right or you can be at peace. And so like, and right will lead you in a certain direction. And like, it was me taking my roommate to the hospital, but so that, that was the moment of clarity for me, but also something I haven't talked a whole lot about. And Paul mentioned this is, is that he had that moment of clarity. Then he still a handful of times drank, you know, he, he had the awareness to leave the Denver Broncos game. He goes back to the hotel, smashes all the beers. Even, even after seeing that happen to my roommate, I said, that's it. I'm done. I mean, that, and that was actually the point where I lost everything. I had to move out, and I was living out of my car. I was sleeping on couches. And I, sure enough, I remember someone's couch that I was sleeping on. They had some pain pills in their medicine cabinet, and I took some. And it was just – and so, like, it's not like you just go from all to none. It was like, it was like all to none for a week, and then you dabble a little bit, and then none. And now some people do. Some people, they check themselves into rehab, but it's like, it wasn't a perfect, it wasn't a smooth path. I want you to speak to this, Paul, and maybe you too, Chris, but it, it is that idea that, you know, and I think those of you who gave us a thumbs up in the chat saying that you, you deal with, uh, you know, addiction in some way, shape, or form, or you have, you really get concerned that you're not going to be the same person. You, you mm. get so used to how you are with the substance in your body that you sort of have this conversation with yourself of like, well, if I don't take the pills, then maybe I won't be the person that everybody expects me to be. Uh, maybe for you, Paul, it was like, if I don't drink at the game, then people are going to give me a hard time or I'm going to have to deal with the jokes. Or did you struggle with that yourself, Paul? Were you, were you talking at any level uh, about, and I'm talking inner dialogue, about I won't be the same person without alcohol? Matthew, yeah, great question. And Chris, thank you for your, your, your background addiction. That's, that's incredible. Yeah, thank I you. really appreciate hearing that. And, and great job to hear and to see where you're at. Um, Matthew, there's, there's, 100 and, you know, there's 99 problems why we can't get sober, right? And the mind creates all 99 of them. Part of it is with the stigma, what are people going to think? We think planets are going to fall out of orbit. Right. It, it, you know, and I, I think a it's lot of true. this, yeah, a lot of us on this planet, well, you know, drinking, a lot of us have a problem alcoholic or not, that we struggle to have fun without alcohol. Somehow in our society, it's just boom, everything's, everything mixed in and, and that is okay. But yes, the thinking mind, I think that goes to more fundamental 
um, mechanics of the thinking mind is the unknown is so scary for anybody, whether it's weight loss, whether it's quitting drinking, whether it's leaving a relationship or a job, sometimes the known, even if chemicals of depression and anxiety and cortisol are pulsing through your body 24 seven, sometimes that's more preferred than the unknown, like a life without sobriety, the, the thinking mind, we just don't do well grasping any type of unknown and with drinking or any addiction, that's you're stepping into like a different layer, a layer, a different world of the unknown. That's almost too much to grasp. Sure. So um, as we get, start to wind down with Paul uh, on, a, on our podcast today, Paul, I want to say to you, first up, thank you for sharing your story with us. And I know that everybody listening to us uh, on the podcast and those that are following along on Facebook right now are really appreciating this. Uh, you saw Nicole's comment a moment ago about how nobody really talks about this anymore. And it's so great to put this in the forefront. And so let's talk right now, the three of us, to... Whoever it is who is starting to get those voices in their head that are, that are saying to them that this is a problem, this is starting to affect your life, um, let's all maybe discuss our first couple of weeks without alcohol, without the pain medicine and some of the stuff that you know full well they're going to have to deal with, that, that, that they're going to get faced with. And so, Paul, as you coach people to get out of, out of their way with addiction, wh what are you going to tell them about the first couple of weeks without it? Yeah, gotcha. We just finished our intensive dry January course. And a big one was, look, you didn't walk into the woods in a day. This was years, years of building neurological pathways that alcohol was some tie, somehow tied to wholeness. In fact, we do form a connection with alcohol. It's like our best friend. And one of the, one of the processes is writing a dear John letter, literally saying goodbye. And you grieve this friend alcohol. Um, that's a big one. Let the body recalibrate. There's a homeostasis that, that with, yeah. with, without alcohol, the body has to come back to this new homeostasis. Your dopamine system is completely hijacked with alcohol, without a doubt. It can take months. It can take years. How, you know, but like it, it's most acute in the first week, two months and, and that stuff. But here's the thing with addiction, you know, after COVID is settling down and it was already here before we're now entering the mental health crisis with, without, right. without a doubt, oh, boy, without we? a doubt. Right. Yeah. And addiction, as I mentioned earlier, addiction could be what connects us. You know, the native Americans looked as a, at a, looked at addiction as the canary in the mind that it wasn't an individual issue. It was the issue of the whole of society. And this canary in the mind is starting to chirp louder and louder and louder and we can't ignore it anymore. And it is a collective healing process that need that process that needs to take place. Yes. Yes. 100%. And I, I love your approach. Like it, it is a holistic approach that needs to be taken in this. Um, and it's not too dissimilar from the weight loss journey. It's like, I can imagine there's times where you say to people who are really trying to transform, it's like, you didn't put all this weight on in the last six weeks. It's going to take some time to get rid of it to just the same, if not longer. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're not just going to focus on, on diet and exercise, but we're also going to talk about how you handle stress. We're going to talk about your sleep. We're going to, we need to approach it from a holistic standpoint. And I, I also love the, I love the concept of writing the Dear John letter. Oh, I do too. Saying to that, that, that. Same that relationship alcohol, yes. which then, then creates a clearing to say hello to a whole mm. new version of you. And Paul, like, that's really powerful. Um, and I know Matthew, like talking, talking to anyone who might be going through this right now also, you know, the, the topic Paul was actually just talking about before this was that fear of the unknown of, of like, who am I without this? And I, I remember being really, really scared because of course, when I was on opioids, 
man, I was a happy guy. Of course. And, and I received so many accolades like, oh my God, you've got so much energy. You're so upbeat. You're so happy. And that was just that constant reinforcement. Like I need this because that's what they love. They love the Chris that's on Vicodin. And then it, there's that, that fear of like, Who of, am I of, of, it? yes, of losing that social system, that social support. And you're afraid to lose everybody. But for anyone who's going through this right now, let me tell you, I'll, and, and it is terrifying, but when, when you start to, when, when you can remove yourself from that, there is hope and there's so much more happiness and there's not those major oscillations. And Paul, I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about, those severe highs and severe lows. Like you stop these massive oscillations and you can, yes, you feel more, you might feel more happiness being you also might feel a little bit more sadness but at the same time it's so much more even keel and you realize that man there is hope beyond this beyond living with this substance and i didn't believe it for a while until i actually started to live it mm-hmm. and then it was like wow i can't believe i've lost myself for so long for so many you're years. actually more creative 100%. Paul, I can't thank you enough for coming on and having this conversation with us today, man. And I'm so proud of you for, for putting it out there. I know you've got a book out called Alcohol is S-H-I-T. You've got a couple of TED Talks that you've done. Uh, and I will encourage people to check those out. For those of you who are consuming this on the podcast, we will have all of this stuff in our show links too so that you can check it out. But Paul, any, any final words for uh, our group of people as, as we get ready to wind down? Chris Matthew, thank you for having me. This is a conversation that has to be had. It cannot be had or kept in closets anymore. And this is an opportunity for connection. As I mentioned, addiction might be what connects us is we all collectively need to come back to the table and say, hey, what's really important to us? Because I think we're, you know, right now, if we're not feeling good, if we're not feeling a fleet of emotions we approve of, in our society, we're told that we're doing something wrong, that you know, we have missed the mark as a human, but that's mm. the human condition. That's what the Buddha was saying. Life is, life is suffering. There's ups and downs, but permanently trying to get rid of the negative emotions, it creates a fracture inside. And Chris, like you were saying, you're going to feel high, you're going to feel low. That is the human condition. Yes, it, it certainly is. is. Paul Churchill, Recovery Elevator Podcast. My brother, thank you for being our guest today on our I Needed That Podcast. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, thanks, guys. Good stuff. Great show. All right. Okay. Well, there you go, everybody. That's uh, that's a wrap on Paul from the Recovery Elevator. And I know just based on some of the feedback that we've got on our Facebook page, that uh, that reached a lot of people. Yes, it certainly did. And I see a lot of these comments coming through when I- – it's not cliche to say you are not alone. And boy, we're all, we really are in this together. And I see some folks who are struggling right now. I see some who are kind of on the other end of their addiction, but they also, again, they realize that it's always there. So it's having that awareness, that's power. And you totally got this, guys. Like, that's what I want to say to you. You totally got this, yes. right? You probably are going to need to change some people in your inner circle in mm. our inner circle for a while. And, you know, it's like if, you, if you've got friends and you're going to them and you're going to say, like, I can't do it anymore. I got to take a break from alcohol. And they give you a hard time. I want you to bounce those friends. Yeah. If, if not for the rest of your life, temporarily. And just don't allow them to be in your space because you need to do this for you end of end of story. Absolutely. Did you? Did you have to remove? hundred percent. There life? are literally hundreds of people probably that I do not have any interaction with anymore post alcohol. Right. Yeah. There, there's there's a circle of friends as well. And again, and and it's really there's something kind of pulling at my heart a little bit because they were all such good people, of like genuinely 
good people, but I had to remove myself because we were all in the grips of some really horrible, horrible shiz. And, and by removing myself, I was able to heal myself and I was able to create a new life for myself. Mm. And, and I can still, I wish them all the very, very best because again, they're just beautiful people. Well, like Deepak Chopra says, they're all looking for something. Yes. And that's that's worth remembering. Mm. So, mm -hmm. all right. Excellent conversation today on addiction. We're going to wind down our Facebook live feed uh, in a minute, but we won't leave you with the heaviness of addiction. We'll yeah. have a we'll, we'll how about this. We'll, we'll have a little fun. I want to get some feedback here based on what everybody's got. And then we're going to do a deep dive. And again, all of you will hear this on the podcast when it comes out on the 13th. But here is our question. Okay, you want to do, um, should we do your next move or would you rather? Because I think maybe some would you rather responses would <laughs> yes. be great. Yeah, let, let's do it. All right, so let's switch gears a little bit. We've got two would you rathers. We want your comments on the Facebook feed. And again, if you're uh, not listening to us on the Facebook feed, come and join us on Monday mornings. We're going to try to jump on about 1030 every Monday. But here's the question. Would you rather live forever with an eyelash in your eye or spinach in your teeth. I want to see it in the comments. <laughs> Would you rather live with an eyelash in your eye or spinach in your teeth? I know I, my answer. I, I, I know mine as well. I'm not going to say anything until you guys start to answer first. By the way, thank you guys so much for being part of this podcast. Like, I got to tell you, it's brought you, you have brought so much energy yeah. to this. And, I, and, and for, for those that are listening in right now, I'm, I'm speaking to this incredible Facebook group has jumped in here. And I feel like you guys are part of these conversations with us. And, and you are. So, okay, good. They're, they're answering right now. All right. A lot of people are yep. saying spinach, 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 spinach. hundred yes. percent. I'm spinach. Aren't you? I'm, I'm spinach as well. I had an eyelash in my eye as, as early as last week and it was the most miserable thing. And like, yes. Who wants that? I don't see one eyelash on this feed right now. <laughs> and they're pouring through. Oh my goodness. Right? Yes. Spinach. And you know what? Spinach in the tea. I don't know about you, but have you ever just had fun with having spinach in your tea? I used to do it just to embarrass like the people. Oh, really? Like, oh, yeah. Like almost to the point where I'd take it off my plate and I'd plaster it over one of my teeth and be like, hey, hey, guys, do I have anything in my teeth? That's hilarious. Yeah. And, and there's two types of people in this world. There's the people that will tell you when you have crap in your teeth and the people who won't. I will always tell you when you got something in your teeth. You? 100%. I'll, I'll always, I'll do, I'll do the lean in and the, like the whisper in the ear. Just, uh, just, yes. Your flies open. Yeah, yeah. That, you're that guy. Yes, oh, okay. for sure. All right. Yep. We've got our deep dive coming up. We have how much would you get hit in the face for a hundred bucks if every time you got hit in the face, it <laughs> Paid $100. Uh, we're going to do your next move. But I would like to um, jump into the deep dive now, if yeah. you don't mind, man. And today, I know your deep dive is about low carb versus low fat. And I want to ask you something. When I saw this deep dive coming up, I had heard something along the way, and I want to know how true it is. I had heard that back in the day, um, low, low fat diets were like the thing. But when you take out the fats, you take out a lot of flavor. And so that's when they started adding stuff into the food to make it taste better. Sure. Is that well, accurate? Yeah, to a certain extent. Okay. Yeah, they, they start removing the fats. And of course, removing the fats, you also remove some of the mouthfeel. But with that, to, to make up for it, you start to add a little bit of extra sugar, a little bit extra salt. These are all part of the whole hyper palatable, and I'm, I'm using air quotes here, hyper palatable mm -hmm. experience, which is going to be more sugar, more fat, more salt. Those are the things that really get us, that those drive our behavior because that's going to get that big dopamine release where you go, oh, that's delicious. I want more. So that, that'll always drive our behavior to, to get more. So yeah, let's, let's finally put this thing to rest because this has been a battle that's been going on for a long time. Remember, so back in the 80s, and you're right, it was back in the 80s, that was the big low-fat craze. Low-fat, like, everything was low-fat. Fat's, fat's the, en the, the enemy. That's the reason why we're all gaining so much weight. Right. 
disregard the fact that we just had more access to food than ever before in the history of mankind. So they're like, oh, so it's fat. So everything's going to be low fat. But then sure enough, the trends continued. And then you also start to see not just trends in obesity, but trends in type 2 diabetes, et cetera, heart disease, cancer, stroke. So, oh, no, never mind. It's not fat anymore. It's carbs. Carbs are the enemy coming into the 1990s, early 2000s. And that's when we have Atkins and all the low-carb diet crazes. And then sure enough, the obesity trends, they still continue to rise. Type 2 diabetes still continues to rise. And so it's like, okay, so which which one is going to be the most effective? And some people, they go on these low-fat diets, and they actually get incredible results. Other people, they go on these low-carb diets, and they get incredible results. I'm going to guess it depends on the person, like so many of the things that we've been talking about so far. Well, there we go. I'll is go that ahead. it? I'll, 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 I mean, I'm really? Gonna the study. Well, let, let's, let's dive into the study. Yeah, let's dive bit. into the study. Okay, so um, there's been a gazillion studies out there that, that have been looking at low-carb versus low-fat low diets. And so instead of just pulling a study, the best thing we can do is pull something called a meta-analysis. And that's something that actually pulls all of these studies and it looks at the common denominators. And so here's an incredible meta-analysis that was actually just done uh, two years ago. They pulled 38 studies from low-carb low and low-fat diets. And they looked at the difference. And we're talking 6,500 individuals, which when it comes to um, looking at like, uh, like a, a great study could be 50 individuals. So we're talking 6,500 across 38 different studies. And by the way, they actually do have a front runner. There is one kind of diet that actually outperformed the other when it comes to weight loss. I have a guess. And the answer is, what's your guess? Mediterranean? Well, <laughs> but uh, okay, so, so guess between low carb or low fat. Oh, Wait, those are yes, my two yes, options. Yes, yes, this yes, is yes. our deep dive. This is our deep dive. Low, mm-hmm. low carb or low fat. Hang on, I'll be right to the, I'll be right to the podcast. <laughs> Give me just one minute. Okay, I'm here now. Okay. Um, there is one that works better, and what is it? I'm going to suggest that it is, uh, my gut is telling me low carb. Yes, low carb outperformed low fat in a meta-analysis of 38 studies, studies 6,500 individuals. Low carb diets outperformed low fat. Here's the catch though, not by much. And so they're, they're looking at these individuals following these diets over six to 12 months. The, the difference, the average difference was 1.3 kilos, which equates to, hold on, what's so You've got a converter on yeah, your phone? Yeah, no, here we go. Of course you do. You know what <laughs> I was thinking about 2.2. as we've been discussing this? When I think about carbs, I wonder what kinds of foods have carbs in them. So don't, don't let me forget to ask you that. Of course. No, absolutely. And we'll, we'll dive into that. So what's the so, conversion? So the average, the difference in weight was about 2.8 pounds. So people who followed a low-carb diet across all these studies lost an average of about 2.8 pounds more than individuals who followed a low-fat diet. Interesting. So low-fat, higher-carbohydrate. Now, here's the catch, though. Those that followed low-carbohydrate diets, though, they also had higher overall total cholesterol and higher low-density lipoprotein. That's LDL cholesterol. And so there's a risk-reward here, right? So it's like, okay, on average, there could be about 2.8 pounds over six months, six to 12 months, average of 2.8 pounds more lost. LDL, your total cholesterol can, can go up just a little bit, and also your low-density lipoprotein, which, you know, it, it's, I think it's, it has an unfair, um, they've coined it bad cholesterol. It's not really bad cholesterol. It's really about the cholesterol balance between LDL and HDL. That's another conversation unto itself. But, well, we had that with episode number eight. Go back and listen to our conversation with cardiologist Dr. Todd Hurst. 
And he kind of breaks that down a little bit. We have yes. that cholesterol conversation. He does a brilliant job of that. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, of course, the low-fat diet, it actually reduced total cholesterol. So it really depends on, you know, number one, the individual, what it is that you're trying to achieve along with your weight loss. Because, you know, if you're also looking at an average amount of 2.8 pounds lost, yeah, some lost more, some lost less, it really is going to come down to which one do you feel better at? Yeah. You know, because it's like, okay, so say, <laughs> say you know, you're, you set out to lose 50 pounds. Well, here's the thing is if, you, if you're following a low-carb diet and you're exhausted all the time and you, you're, you're, you can't think clearly and your sleep is disrupted and everything, well, then maybe a low-carb diet isn't the best diet for you. There it but, is. And if you follow a, a low-fat diet that's higher in carbohydrates and you feel energized and you feel really good, well, then that's going to be a, a better long-term solution because if you don't feel good – and you're, you're doing this thing just for the weight loss, well, then it's not going to stick in the long run. Yeah, because so many people want to be told what to do and what I want to encourage you to do, and it sounds like what Chris wants to encourage you to do is to listen to yourself. Amen. And that is the one thing that, we, you know, we talked about it with addiction earlier in the podcast with Paul. It's like when, whatever your addiction is, maybe it's food, right? And when you don't know who you are, you have a hard time listening and trusting that inner voice. Absolutely. Right. And then, yes. so you just look to a guy like Chris and you say, just tell me what to do. Like, right. I don't know anymore. Just tell me what to do. And we are kind of putting that back on you and saying, no, 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 no. Key into you, yes. your mind, your body. What is your heart telling you right now? It's one of the best things that you could possibly, one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself. And it's, it's the, the, the term mindfulness, mm-hmm. which, is, which is simply awareness. It's stopping what you're doing, checking in with yourself internally and saying, how do I feel? What are my energy? Your body's having a conversation with you right. all the time. It's talking to you right now. If you even just stop listening to us, close your eyes, and you just pay attention and listen, your body is telling you, I'm hot, I'm cold, my energy levels are high, or they're low, I can't think clearly. Or, I mean, it's, it's, it's constantly telling you what's going on. Mm-hmm. But remember, it's just like any muscle, you have to train it on a regular basis point. to really start to, to, to decipher what this conversation is. And the better you get at that, the more control you'll have over yourself and over your body for the rest of your life. Good for you, man. Yeah, good for you. Well, buddy, this is what it's all about. Man. It is this what is, it's all about. Yeah, these are the tools. And this is like that, that term mindfulness. A lot of people are like, oh, is it meditation? No, it's just stopping and checking, checking in with in. yourself. Yeah, so we should start using this word a lot more. Get Drop used to in. it because we're starting to have this conversation, even in, in mainstream media, much more, which is very appropriate. Yeah. yeah. All right. We're going to move on to um, see where do you want to go next? I want to talk about this $100 thing. I want to talk about your next move. I want to play Name That Tune right now. Oh, do you have man. your phone ready? I got my phone ready. Right, do you have a good song for me this I've a, week? I've got a great song. It's okay. Such, it's a feel good. It's a recent one. Also. I'm going to have you go first this week in our podcast. Uh, and, <laughs> and if y'all don't know, we freaking love music on this show. That's why we, we choose to do this segment. So, uh, and the idea is we play it like kind of hurdle where I get the very first moment of the song and that's it. And then I have to guess what it is. Yep. You're ready. All right, I'm 100% ready. So here's the thing. I clipped the first couple seconds because the artist actually says the name of the song. Jason Derulo. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> so close though. All right, here All right. we go. You're ready. Right. Yeah, Let's yeah. see if we got this. Here we go. Stop. 
That is one of the greatest songs by Sia. Oh, right. Isn't that an amazing oh, song? It is. Can I just play it a little? A hundred percent. You can give it up to 15 seconds before they get all crazy. What is the song called? Like something together? It's together. Together. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you one time I had the uh, pleasure of interviewing Sia and she doesn't ever appear on camera. You know, that, right. like that's her thing, right? I didn't know that you interviewed her. I'm so jealous. Oh, really? She's such an incredibly talented woman. Oh, my gosh. She does the interview. She's in her hotel room and she's literally got her phone and she's got it flipped up. And all we saw was the ceiling of her hotel room the whole time we talked to her. No way. Oh, uh, yeah. Why? What, what's the story behind that? I don't know what it is, you know? I mean, for years, she was a writer, and so she didn't even put... I mean, she wrote everybody else's songs. You know that, right? Oh, I, yeah. 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 Like, she wrote everybody else's songs for a long time, and I think she just more appreciates being on the backside. And actually, you and Sia have something in common. She does not listen to her music. Get out. She's a TV buff. She only watches TV and movies. She does oh, not man. listen to much music. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Gosh, and she's so talented. She's... She's just stupid just, talented is the oh, truth, man. Oh, and she's insane. Yeah. It was funny. Good so song. when I, I did the Kelly Clarkson show and uh, they asked me that because I guess they ask every every guest, they're like, hey, we're, we're building up our Spotify list. And so we ask every guest to put a song on the Spotify list. Which one would you like? What, what song do you want to do? I'm like, is this a test? Like, should I pick a Kelly Clarkson song? song? But I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I'm not supposed to do that. So I chose. See us See together. together. Yes. That's a great one. It's such a beautiful song. Such an anthem. Uh, okay. All right. Name that tune. It's Chris's turn. Uh, you get one second of the song. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's right. go. Here it is. Here we go. Um, oh, of course. It's. Um... Oh, come on. You need a little bit more? <laughs> yeah, I do. You need a little, a little bit, bit more? more? Yeah. I'm just buying myself time right now. Um, yes, it's um. Oh no! Oh, Lady Gaga paparazzi. <laughs> I was gotcha. I, yeah, you did. I was going. Gotcha. I was going in the wrong direction anyway. That's amazing. Oh my gosh! Which another incredible song. The, that song takes me back to when I first was were like got off my feet and I was, I was working in LA and um, it was actually when we landed the show and that was the season one of the show right there. So like when, when we play that song, it, like, it takes me all the way back right to, there. Like, to the 405 101 interchange, just sitting there in traffic for hours Forever. on end. Yes. It's the worst part of living in LA, huh? And, and that song was on rotation like every 30 minutes. Oh my gosh. All right. We're uh, going to wrap, uh, start to wrap things up. We got a couple of more segments that we want to do. Your next move is What's next? Uh, the first time we did this, we got such a big response. Remember, it was the Costco situation with yes. the guy who cut the line? Yes, of course. Now we have one that might tug on people's heartstrings just a little bit more. Okay, here it is. You win the 50-50 raffle at a school fundraiser, and the person who's running the whole thing comes up to you after, and they say, hey, by the way, almost everybody that's won has given the money back to the school. <laughs> no pressure, <laughs> but that's what's happened in the past. Jackpot's $10,000. That means you walk out with five grand. What's your next move? What's yours? I, I know what I do. It kind of is this. It's, it's probably in line with the low fat, low carb thing. It's like it probably depends on the person. Um, if I'm sitting at home and I, I got to get a big car repair or, you know, money's tight right now and this is going to jump me ahead. 
Uh, I'm going to be really, really comfortable with the, uh, the whole giving back. And I will tell you that I very much feel strongly that if you're going to have a 50-50, then the, the 50% needs to go to the person who won it. That's, that's part of the deal. Yes. Yes. So um, I would, I would, I, 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 my heart is saying that right now I'm going to keep my 5,000 bucks. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, absolutely. Um, you're not though. I can already tell you what you're going to say. You're going to give it back because you're kind and generous. Wait. So, so they're saying that, that, you have to give 5,000 back, but then where's the other 5,000 go? It stays it's, with the school. So basically the school would get 10 instead of just five. Oh, so you win the raffle. And even though you won the raffle, you just give everything back. Oh, okay. I, I totally thought it was like, oh, 5,000 to the school. I was like, you still walk away with 5,000 bucks. No, no, no. School wants oh. 10. I wonder, <laughs> you know what? It does. It, this is absolutely an it depends kind of moment. Uh-huh. Because if I'm in dire straits and I'm trying to keep right. a roof over my head right. and keep food on the table, I'm keeping the five thousand. I don't care if you don't think less of me. But if I'm in a if I'm in a good spot, then it's like, all right, I'll go ahead and I'll give you. The, I'll give the money back. That was a Switzerland school. answer. It, it was totally a Switzerland answer. But that's, but but also that's it's it's real. I, okay. I, I promise you. Did we depend on where you were at at the it, moment? It totally does. But if I, yeah, again, if I need that money like bad for all the right reasons, for the right reasons, then I'm going to keep it. Listen, I like to gamble every now and again, <laughs> and that's kind of gambling. And so I'm here for it. And so if I win, I win it. Do you play the lottery? Uh, almost never. How about when it gets up to like $800 million? Every now and again, yeah. I would be more inclined to walk into a casino and play blackjack for an hour than I would to play the lottery. Yeah. Yeah. Cause at least then like I'm involved and I'm having some fun and I feel like I have a small amount of chance. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of control. And I have it. a little bit <laughs> yeah, of control. Yeah, you exactly. I, so I'm terrible. Like I know I've, I've, I learned my lessons early in Vegas. And Did you? so, yeah, I'm so, I'm so turned off from gambling because I like consistently for a couple of years at, at in, like no joke <laughs> for, there's like a couple year period where we went up to Vegas all the time. And every single time I'd throw 50 or hundred dollars down it was gone within a couple minutes. Gone, and I'm like, "That's it." I'm, I like, I, I'm reading the signs, God. <laughs> like, I am not meant to do this. One time on a podcast in the future, I will tell you about my come to Jesus with gambling. Oh, okay, okay. Add that to the list. It's one, it's going to have to come up soon. It was t- it was a tough moment. It was a tough Ooh, moment, and not okay. a shining moment, by the way. So just let me let me throw that out there. Okay, let's wrap this sucker <laughs> up, man. Let's wrap it up with a really fun question. I, I saw this online, and it said, um, "If somebody offered you a hundred dollars every time they punched you in the face, how many times would you want to be hit?" So this is gonna be another Switzerland answer for me. How I know, many, like, where are say, they hitting me? Yeah, if they're gonna like fracture my nose, like if they're gonna break my nose, man, like. Well, then it's already broken after the first time it's broken. I guess so. I know. And I think the question, the first question that came to my mind was, well, how hard are they going to hit me? Right. Yeah. No kidding. Um, I mean, gosh, I think for you're going to have to spend a lot more than a hundred bucks to hit me in the face. I think I'm the same. Way. Yeah. Throw another, throw another couple zeros on there. The, then, the then, answer for me is zero. Yeah. For, for sure. Even if I'm broke, how about a thousand? No. 10. Everyone's got a prize, buddy. $10,000 to literally wind up and punch you in the face. How, but how hard are you going to hit me? And are you going to hit me like across the jaw? Because I'm going to be honest with you right now. I have never in my life been in a fist fight. 
I've never, ever in my life been hit in the face. It's not fun. You have. <laughs> I have. Yeah. And it's not fun at God, all. God, it seems like so, it would suck. Yeah. It's usually really shocking when it happens. <laughs> Where have you been hit? Uh, so I, I've been hit in the cheek. Okay. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, like the stereotypical. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Bare fist or yeah. like gloves and jujitsu? I've, I've been hit in the stomach a handful of times with bullies and choked. Been called that. Really? Man. Those bullies are terrible. Man. Oh, man. I, I had a bully situation too. I didn't know that about you. Oh, yeah. Well, I thought you've well, always been like this beautiful human with these big muscles and <laughs> nobody messed with no, you. The, the muscles came from there's a scared little <laughs> eight year old boy <laughs> in there that's trying not to get his butt kicked. That's where the muscles came from. Let's, you want to get honest. Let's that's get the real. honesty right there, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You're right. You're right. The price tag probably <laughs> depends. Now, would you let them hit? you for a hundred thousand bucks yes yeah yeah i would take it definitely take a good how many would you take face. probably a good 10 would you really take <laughs> yeah, 10 get yourself sure. up to a million bucks yeah let's go <laughs> it's an awesome question isn't it just because it makes you think hmm. uh, how about you um okay you take a shot for 100k face. i would take a, i would take probably plenty of licks too yeah and then but here's the question then you have to define like well who's hitting you yeah like if it's, is it going to be mike tyson yeah because no. then I don't want any of the money. You're not getting up from that. That's going to hurt. Brooklyn, how many times would you let somebody hit you in the face if they paid you $100 every time they did it? Five, five times. Okay, so Brooklyn five says times. five times she, she, would, she would let somebody punch her in the face. So she'd walk out with $500 and a broken nose and a black eye, but who cares? She can go and go do some shopping. Yeah, right. I don't know. 500 bucks, it doesn't get you too far these days. That's the truth about it, isn't it? Especially when it comes to reconstructive surgery. Right? So, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> well, listen, thank you guys so much for joining us on our I Needed That podcast today. Special thanks to Paul Churchill for jumping in from the Recovery Elevator podcast. Enjoyed my conversation with him. Yeah, great dude, man. And you, you could tell there's a lot of depth behind his the discussion and uh, a lot more to talk to him about in the future, that's for sure. If you enjoyed some of his conversation, you want to watch his TED Talks, get uh, connected to his book and his podcast, we're going to throw all of that in the show links. Also, special thanks to those of you who joined us on our Facebook Live today, which yeah. really was awesome. That was special, man. The energy was just, it was electric. So we'll see you next <laughs> week for our I Needed That podcast. Thank you so much for being a part of it. Until next time, my friends. See ya.